Hello and welcome to Christian's Corner. This is your host, Christian Millsaps. What's up guys? We got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. We're going to start off the episode talking about NVIDIA dropping their new tech. Then we're going to move on to Chelsea's big transfer window and finish it off with the potential of Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. Let's get into it. NVIDIA held a live stream Tuesday to finally announce their new RTX 3000 series GPUs. Tech, gaming, and computer enthusiasts, myself included, have been waiting for this news to drop for quite some time to see the next generation of NVIDIA GPUs and what they will be able to do. I could list the entire spec sheet, but you know, half of it's computer and engineering talk that doesn't really mean anything to me, and I assume probably won't mean anything to the average consumer, so I'm going to talk about how exciting and surprising the event was. The first part of the live stream was more about new features that NVIDIA is rolling out for content creators and gamers. One key one for gamers being new monitors that will be able to run games at 360 frames per second, which is pretty amazing, especially considering I only have a 60 hertz monitor. So, But anyways, anything's an improvement for me. And support what they are calling low latency esports technology. Now that's a long name, but it's an incredible feature that will probably change gaming forever. The purpose is obviously to reduce the latency, but it's so much more. This is how they said it in the live stream. Reducing system latency is critical for competitive gamers because it allows the PC and display to respond faster to a user's mouse and keyboard inputs, enabling players to acquire enemies faster and take shots with greater precision. NVIDIA also showed the difference between 144Hz and 360Hz in the game Valorant during the live stream. Now obviously I can't show that to you, so just take my word for it, you can't even tell the character is animated because the extra 216 screen refreshes make an extreme difference. Now obviously Valorant, for those of you who don't know what the game is like, the animation is pretty cartoony, so it's obvious it's fake, it's just the movement doesn't look animated, it's very fluid and very crisp. Four manufacturers will be producing these 360Hz monitors, and those will be MSI, Acer, Asus, and Alienware. NVIDIA is also putting out a software update that will enable low-latency esports technology for first-gen RTX cards as well. So if you have like a 2060, you'll be able to take a software version of this low-latency platform and be able to utilize it in your own games. These 360Hz monitors will also be coming with a chip inside the monitor that will allow for this low latency esports technology to be inputted straight into the monitor. But these new RTX cards will obviously come with all of this anyways. They also showcased a new piece of software that will allow streamers and creators to have more control over their workflow during a live stream and they're calling it NVIDIA Broadcast which is a much better name than low latency esports, blah, blah, blah. It uses the power of AI and tensor cores on NVIDIA RTX GPUs to enhance video and voice communication with features like noise removal, virtual background, and auto frame. This will allow streamers without green screens to completely remove backgrounds from their camera and give the appearance of green screen, which will save a lot of money. They'll also be able to put backgrounds if they want to and they're coming with a nice noise removal feature which as you would expect removes all the noise in the background they showcased it and the guy using the software had his girlfriend in the background doing a blow dryer he turned the feature on 
you couldn't hear anything and that that's really nice to cancel out that background noise which can be a big problem a lot of the time but obviously the most important part of the live stream are the new RTX cards they announced the RTX 3070 3080 and the 3090 which is completely new to Nvidia's tier system there's no predecessor to it and I'm going to start off with the 3070 and work my way up the 3070, which is their mid-tier card aimed at the average mainstream consumer, will outperform the last-gen, top-of-the-line 2080 Titan card. It will, like all of their new GPUs, support ray tracing like never before and use NVIDIA DLSS, which is groundbreaking AI rendering that boosts frame rates without, with uncompromised image quality using the dedicated AI processing tensor cores on GeForce RTX. This gives you the performance headroom to crank up settings and resolutions for an incredible visual experience. The AI revolution has arrived to gaming. As you can tell, they're really pushing AI heavily with these new cards, but it's really good reason because AI is allowing them to do a lot of great things with the power that these cards are going to be packing. Now something I can show you, and I'm going to post on my Facebook page, is a photo comparing ray tracing on for Cyberpunk 2077 and no ray tracing and ray tracing the computer jargon it's it's just enhanced 3d computer graphics it's a rendering technique for generating an image by tracing the path of light as pixels in an image plane and simulating the effects of its encounters with virtual objects basically it just really for high-end games like the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077 it really tries to simulate what you would expect in a real-life situation puddles showing reflections more vividly, lighting effects looking more realistic and actually bouncing off of different objects and as something moves in your environment the lighting effects will change. With all these performance upgrades that you're getting with the 3070 obviously comparing it to the old 2080 Ti which is top of the line outperforming it by I don't know the exact numbers I think it's somewhere like five or ten percent you would expect this thing to cost a lot of money. It's improving ray tracing that was just introduced and started to be built upon with the first gen RTX cards, the 2060, 7080, and the Titan card, as well as improving 4K gaming. You're like, okay, how much is this thing going to come in at, right? It's outperforming a card that costs $1,200. It's going to be expensive, right? The thing's $500, which, given its context, is relatively cheap. Obviously, $500 is a fair chunk of money, but for what you're getting for the upgrades from last gen's cards and the fact that, it, again, this $500 card is outperforming something that costs over double the price of what it is, I mean, this that's a great deal. I'm really impressed with, and I don't know how, they're able to get it so cheap. But again, I would expect it to be a lot more, but that's that's honestly, to me, more exciting than the performance. Now I'm going to move on to the 3080 which obviously is going to be even crazier in terms of performance than the 3070 and also it will continue to make the 2080 Ti look even more obsolete being two times more powerful than that card. It will have two more gigabytes of memory at a higher speed than the 3070 with all of the same features as you would expect and again surprisingly very affordable at $700 pretty big chunk of money $200 more than 500 but for what you're getting the performance increases being two times more powerful not a bad price honestly I mean 
I can't complain about that. I'm not going to go as in much detail because, again, they listed the same jargon about the 3080 as they did with the 3070. It's just going to be way more powerful. You're going to get a lot more to work with. It's going to be one of the fastest cards that has ever been made. And at this point, I'm like, okay, how are you going to top this? You're going to get more frames if you want to do 4K gaming. It's going to be even better than the 3070. Ray tracing is going to be even easier to use. So how is it going to stack up against the 3090? Well, I'll tell you. Now, the 3090, like I said earlier, has no predecessor, so there's nothing that we can compare this to. Most people were saying you can kind of compare it to the RTX Titan card in terms of performance, but the NVIDIA didn't seem like they were rebranding the straight-up Titan cards as a 3090. I expect, and others did who know more about this than I do, for there to be a Titan card later down the line sometime. But I don't know if that really matters considering what this thing is going to be able to do. It will do everything else the 3070 and 3080 will do, as you would expect. It'll make 4K gaming better, but it will one-up that, and it will be able to run games in 8K at 30 frames per second. Now, people are just starting to try and get into 4K gaming, and with the 3070 and the 3080, 4K gaming is going to be a lot more reliable and a lot more practical for those who can afford it and want to use that. But now NVIDIA is saying, ha, to heck with that. Here's 8K gaming. Well, I think it's more of a gimmick to be completely honest because not many people have an 8K TV or monitor lying around their house. So I think this is just their, hey, let me flex on you and show you what we're capable of and what we're capable of down the future. Because 4K gaming is just starting to really catch strides. 8K, that's, that's down the line. They did show a clip of four different streamers trying it out, and they didn't show it on the live stream because, well, I guarantee probably no one was watching the live stream in 8K, so there was no point in showcasing something that wouldn't even be able to be seen. But the streamers were very impressed. They said they felt like they were literally just like controlling a real-life human in the games that they were playing. I just don't see that being a practical way of playing video games right now. 4K, I've already said this, is just starting to catch strides now with these new cards. 8K is definitely down the line. But it's cool that they have the power already in 2020 to do this at some extent. This surprised, I would say, probably everybody. Spec sheets were released in weeks prior to this event. Journalists were starting to get an idea of what you could expect from the cards. Everybody knew that 4K gaming was going to be a talking point, but no one knew that 8K was going to be dropped on us like that. It's cool, not practical right now, but impressive. Now, I was like, okay, these other cards, they've been cheaper than I expected, but there's no way this thing's going to be cheaper. Well, it's definitely not cheap. It's 1500 bucks, which is... A lot of money. I, there's no way around that. $1,500 is a lot of money. But it's still cheaper than what I would have expected. I expected this thing to be, what, 
a thousand dollars more but it's not 1500 for what you're getting isn't bad there are also a lot more applications than just gaming for things like this they talked about on the live stream that they use doctors use not they used old rtx cards which are only a couple years old at this point but older rtx cards to actually generate a animated version of the coronavirus and they were able to study it make it grow watch it grow in a simulation and find out the virus's weakest point so these cards as fun as they are for people who just want a game have so many more real-life applications that could truly change the world obviously with the passing of Chadwick Boseman which gonna have a small moment of silence for that couldn't believe when I heard the news that he passed away and I don't know how he did such a good job of hiding the fact that he was battling stage 4 colon cancer it was a shock to us all and he left a big imprint on well the entire world he played some incredible historical figures Thurgood Marshall Jackie Robinson James Brown and a cult classic now in the Black Panther when he played King T'Challa. He had a major impact and in just a few short days after his death, tributes were already being done on television. He left a major mark on this earth after just 43 years of life. And the reason I bring that up is one, because that's sad and, and we still need to think about that. And I wanted to have a moment of silence, but also because I wanted to bring up the Black Panther movie specifically. You watch that movie, and obviously there are a lot of real-life things going on there. But to make a movie like that, you need a computer with a lot of power. And that movie, and all the CGI that went into it, was created off of NVIDIA cards like these. So there are more applications, applications that more than gamers will use. People who will change the world by trying to create living versions of the virus on a computer... And, and figure things out to find cures for all kinds of things. So these this is exciting, not just from a gaming standpoint, but again, from just what it will be able to do for the entire world and truly change things. Again, that price, 1500 bucks that's a lot. But for all those things that it can do, that's incredible, especially when it's only $300 more than a 2080 Ti, that now looks like a toaster thanks to this 3090. I feel sorry for anybody who just bought a 2080 Ti because for 300 bucks more you could have had something that, again, makes a 2080 Ti look like a toaster. I mean, it's just, it's incredible what they were able to do. And it's really exciting with the future of technology and how powerful these things are going to be for so many different applications in our world. NVIDIA have definitely outdone themselves, and I'm really excited to see what these cards can do when they're released later this month and into October, and people on YouTube start to review them, see what their benchmarks look like, and what they actually do for games and other things. I look forward to waiting to see what AMD has to offer in terms of their next-gen CPUs, their Ryzen 4000 series, as well as AMD's next-gen GPUs and Big Navi. 
I doubt AMD, even though I'm a big believer in AMD. Their CPUs are kings. GPU-wise, they're good. But I don't see how they're going to stand up to NVIDIA after this. They're going to have to do something incredible if they want to be able to compete in any way, shape, or form with what NVIDIA just dropped. I'm excited, and I look forward to the announcement of the 3060, which will be sometime soon, hopefully. They haven't really announced when they're going to announce it. It tends to be their cheaper card. The 2060 is obviously the cheapest. It's obviously the lowest performer. But with the 3070 outperforming a 2080 Ti, if a 3060 outperforms a 2070 Super and is a good price, hey, I'm not complaining about that either. Now I'm going to get into sports, and we're going to talk about Chelsea. And I'll stop being a nerd. Chelsea, if you don't know, my favorite football team or soccer for my fellow Americans has been making some insane moves this transfer window. And again, for those of you who aren't familiar with European soccer, there's not trading like there is in the NFL, the MLB, the NBA. And there's not a true free agency because typically no one ever gets to that point. And each season runs on a different time frame, very very minor difference, but nonetheless a different time frame. So the way you acquire new players is, well, you just pay the other team for them. It's pretty much that simple. If you want Cristiano Ronaldo, you pay the team that he plays for, Juventus, like a hundred plus million dollars to get him. And then you have Cristiano Ronaldo for as long as he's willing to stay at your team. That's how that works. It's very different. And it favors the teams who have very very rich owners that's just that's just how it works I honestly prefer it I would say but anyways nonetheless we started off the transfer window by signing Hakeem Ziyech which completely caught me off guard I didn't realize we were eyeing him to come to the club but it did excite me because he will add a lot of technical skill on the ball that we drastically need on the attacking end of things then we signed Timo Werner, a guy who will go out and score 20-plus goals for you each season, which is something we desperately needed because this season, a lot of the times, we struggled to put the ball in the back of the net. He also is very skilled on the ball. He's an excellent finisher, and he is an extremely fast player, so not many people are going to be able to keep up with him. Another thing that we do not have, well, we have pace, but just not at the striker position. Most of our strikers are really tall and pretty slow so it'll be a nice mix up in the team he's very young and again he can score a lot of goals which early on in the season we were fine but then Tammy Abraham hit a giant slump and it it was downhill from there then we also rumors started circulating that we were going to sign German wonder kid Kai Havertz and I was skeptical of that I didn't think that we'd be able to spend that much money on him And I didn't think that he would want to come to Chelsea because we're not quite the team we used to be, even though things are obviously changing now after this transfer window. And I figured he had other options on the table, but he, he didn't. The rumors kept coming and then going and then coming and, and nothing really happened at the end of the day. And during all these rumors, we made more moves that actually stuck and we agreed with Leicester City to finally sign Ben Chilwell to come take over the left-back position for us at Chelsea. 
personally, I felt there were better options like Ajax's Tagliafico. But I'll take what I can get. He's still very young at 23 and is a much better defender than Marcus Alonso or Emerson are, which right now is, well, not now, last season was all that we had. Emerson, pretty quick, but not Chelsea-caliber player in my opinion. Marcus Alonso, he has been very, very good for us throughout his Chelsea career at times, but he's not the fastest guy in the world and typically you like to have a little bit more speed at the fullback positions. He is very good going forward. He can score goals. His final ball delivery is phenomenal but he's a terrible defender and playing as a defender, defending is a skill you would probably like to have. Chelsea also out of nowhere and completely to my surprise signed PSG center back Thiago Silva who is pretty old in sports years at 35, but is still very talented, obviously very experienced, and is a very intelligent defender. And I think he'll be perfect for us because center back is a position that last season we really struggled with. We have a bunch of young guys, but we don't really have a guy who could come in there, play at a high level consistently, and not make a bunch of ridiculous mistakes that cost us a lot of goals. He will also be a really good leader on and off the field and be a really good role model and teacher for our young center backs who are trying to find their way right now. And I thought that we were pretty much closing the transfer window with all of those moves. There was still the rumor that Chelsea was going to sign Havertz. People kept saying the deal is close. Chelsea should be announcing him soon. And soon turned into soon again and again and again. And I was like, okay, is it going to happen or not? Well, finally happened. We finally got the kid that pretty much every single fan of Chelsea could agree they wanted and finally have a really talented young player to hopefully come in and fill the role that Eden Hazard left when he moved to Real Madrid. We have a stacked team. We added five really important players to our team that will come in start, play a lot of minutes for this team, make a major impact, hopefully, obviously, for this team. But I do have concerns, and my only worry is, with all of these new players, five of them taking up five starting positions, that leaves five people from last year who were maybe not as talented as these new guys, but very young, and guys who have a very bright future for this team like Mason Mount who had a really good season last year there were moments where he kind of dipped in performance but you you would expect that from pretty much any athlete Cho who he's younger than I am he's not even 20 yet he's got a bright future obviously a lot of things to learn and wasn't necessarily a player who played a lot of minutes for us but you want him out there you want him to grow Tammy Abraham, as I mentioned, he's not going to start anymore because Timo Werner is going to get the striking position. Tammy, he's got a bright future as well. He played really, really well for us at the beginning of the season and was the league's top goal scorer until his form out of nowhere just just dipped. I still want these players to get playtime. I want these guys to be able to continue to grow, continue to shine 
and to prove to Frank Lampard that they are a part of the future of Chelsea and that they still deserve a lot of playing time. Obviously, it's not like they're just not going to do anything. They still will get playing time. I just hope that they get enough and are still able to learn and continue to grow and build off of their performances from last season. That's my only concern, and that's a good concern to have, though. If you're worrying about, uh, are my is my team going to be able to find this guy or this guy to start? Gosh, they're both so good. That's a good problem to have, and it, it's not a problem we really had last season. We either had one really good guy to start or, well, eh, hope this guy does well. It was a rebuilding season, and, well, our owner, Roman Abramovich, he, he outdid himself, as well as Frank Lampard. Uh, I'm really impressed with what they were able to do and land five really talented guys and bolster this Chelsea squad and make it twice as better. Twice as better? Twice as good. That's what I meant. Obviously, we're not going to win the Premier League. I don't expect that. It would be awesome. But I still think we're not there yet. We need to polish ourselves around the edges. But I'm excited for the future. The future is bright, and I look forward to seeing what this season has in store. I mean, it's right around the corner. Everything just ended, but soccer has a short off season, whether there's a pandemic or not. So it's not like anything's truly that different. And speaking of soccer, and something that is going to be extremely different, Lionel Messi has told Barcelona that he does not want to return to the team and wants to move on with his career after playing for this club since he was 13 years old. Another concept that not a lot of Americans understand and took me a while to understand as well. Yeah, you can be a professional soccer player at five years old. It doesn't matter. They don't care. They will take you out of school, put you in their club, obviously in a youth program. They still will send you to school. You'll learn math, science, all that basic stuff. Well, it's not basic, but... You don't have a true, quote-unquote, education. Your education is soccer. That's your goal. Ronaldo left his home at 10 years old, moved two hours away from his parents so he could start playing professionally. A 10-year-old getting paid more than his parents did. That's, that's a weird concept to understand, but that's how it works in Europe and South America. That's the way they do things. It doesn't, they truly do not care how old you are. And Ronaldo and Messi have one thing in common. They have been the pinnacle of soccer for the last two decades almost. And one of them, Ronaldo, has played for three different teams over his career. But Messi, as I've already said, since he was 13 years old, has stayed at this club. He's 33, I believe now. And he is just now deciding to leave this team. That's that's insane. I I was very surprised to hear this news and hear that it came from Messi himself. Not that he announced it. He's he's a very quiet star. He doesn't really put himself out there as much, unlike <laughs> Ronaldo, who is in the media quite a bit. But Messi is pretty quiet about these things, and I'm shocked that he is leaving a team that he has been so dedicated to for the past 20 years of his life. I mean, that's two-thirds of his life that he's dedicated to Barcelona, and he's leaving. Some people saw it coming, and I can understand it. The board at Barcelona just hasn't done a good job of giving him a good coach. 
or giving him players around him that will allow him to really make deep runs in the Champions League, which ultimately is what he has cared about. La Liga, it's great to win, but Messi, Ronaldo, they aren't measured by what they do in the league. They're measured by what they do in the UCL or the Champions League tournament. And Messi hasn't been able to get one in quite some time, unlike Ronaldo, who had four at Madrid, one at Manchester United, that's five total, and he won four of those at Madrid three years in a row, which is incredible. Ronaldo dominated the UCL. He's the highest goal scorer in the history of the UCL, while Messi, who has won it multiple times, has struggled in recent years to even come close to it. And this season was a terrible way to go out, and it'd be really sad if this was his last game, but an 8-2 to two loss, there were a lot of things that went wrong with it, and you can't really blame him. He's got likely landing spots, one being Manchester City, to team up with his former coach, Pep Guardiola, who got his only Champions League title with Messi back in 2009, which was Messi's second before he won two more, the most recent being in 2015, and since then hasn't really come close. Four is still a nice total, but five years of a lot of struggling, obviously he wants it to end. The second most likely landing spot being PSG, who were second place this season in the Champions League, so he can reunite with former teammate at Barcelona, who had a lot of success with him, Neymar. Adding Messi to an already stacked lineup, especially attacking lineup, would be very scary for any opposing team and would probably prove really nicely. Another big question, though, with where will he end up is who's going to want to pay his really expensive contract? He makes about $83 million, give or take, a year off of his contract alone, which is a lot of money. Patrick Mahomes just signed a major deal, but European soccer contracts are next level for guys like Ronaldo and Messi who are making insane amounts of money. I mean, they both made over $100 million in 2019, so they're doing a lot of things right, I guess, if making money is the thing that you're uh, measuring by. That's one thing that might deter squads because... You might not have a lot of money to pay $83 million a year to an aging Lionel Messi. Still an amazing Lionel Messi, but getting older. I look forward to seeing where he lands up, whether it's Manchester City, whether it's PSG to team up with Neymar again, or to team up with Pep again in City. Or some people are floating the idea that what if he teams up with Ronaldo and both of them give soccer fans what... Everyone would love to see the two goats line up together and see what kind of damage they can do to opposing teams. That'd be cool. I don't know how that would work or if it would work because two very different personalities. Messi's very quiet. Ronaldo, on the other hand, is very outspoken and likes to be the center of attention. It'd be interesting to see how that dynamic worked, or rather, if it worked at all. Either way, wherever he lands up, it'll be very interesting to see what new team is able to land one of the greatest soccer players, one of the greatest athletes that we've been able to see in the past two decades 
I also hope for his sake he can find somewhere where he not only enjoys to play, but can also finish his career on a high note, because he deserves that at least, and I hope the best for him. With all that being said, thank you guys for coming to this episode. It's been a fun one, and I hope you guys have a great week, and continue to stay safe, and wear your mask. Peace out.